Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia. And on this episode, we bring back Rhett Bollinger, MLB.com beat writer for the Angels, has been with the Angels this whole season, the last handful of seasons as well. Um, if you're new to the podcast, he's a great guy to follow, great guy to listen to and, and um, read. Um, if you've been around this podcast, you know how much we love having him on um, giving us information, giving us what he knows, and uh, able to just ask him questions and, and honestly get his perspective on things. A guy, again, a guy that has been around the team this whole season, um, has talked to Joe Madden, has talked to players, has talked to Perry. So um, here's the interview with Rhett. I really hope you enjoy it. Um, check it out. And I want to welcome back friend of the podcast, obviously, has been here so many times now with the season about three weeks left. Uh, Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com. Rhett, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, obviously, the season, we had you on the beginning, we had you on the middle. This is towards the end now. Um, at the beginning, there was so much hope and promise, you know, that with with Trout, Rendon, um, you know, Bundy being what we thought Bundy was going to be, you know, after last year. Um, obviously, the injuries had a huge, huge role in a lot of this. Trout only playing, you know, a handful of games, it feels like. Same thing with Rendon. But other than that injury bug, if you will, what is another thing that really hurt the Angels this year? Well, obviously injuries, like you said, are a big part of that. Um, I think, too, just not having a rotation that could really count on throughout the year. We saw some glimpses of guys, even you know, Alex Cobb had that great start against the White Sox uh, today. And, you know, he, he's actually been pretty good when he's been healthy. Uh, but, you know, Sandoval... Shows him glimpses too, but same thing, not healthy. So some of it is health, but it's some of it just that rotation with, with Bundy not performing well and Quintana, uh, same thing. Uh, Heaney never really got it going. And, you know, they were able at least to trade him uh, for some pitching prospects, which obviously was a great a great move for them. Um, but they never really got that rotation on track. Um, and even the bullpen, you know, early, it seems like they're trying to adjust to some of these new roles. It never really felt like it was really settled. Um, Iglesias struggled early, and then sure enough, ended up being, you know, probably the best closer in the American League by the end of the season here. But the rest of the bullpen never really gelled. But, you know, C-Sec actually did okay, or better than okay, actually, um, after a slow start. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just never really think – nothing really ever came together. It was like if the, you know, if the rotation was kind of doing well, the, the offense was struggling, um, and vice versa. So they never really put together a run of any sort. But also they never really went on a crazy, you know, losing streak really either when this team definitely could have been the second half. Uh, and kind of give, given up in a weird way just because of all the injuries and just, you know, not, nothing really to play for. But to their credit, they've actually played pretty, you know, 
pretty hard in the second half and, you know, beating the White Sox and, you know, the series here was, I think, big for them. So, yeah, I just, a lot of things didn't go well. I mean, considering that, I guess it could have gone a lot worse. It could have gone a lot worse, but clearly uh, they're right around 500 still and San would have been all year. You kind of mentioned it a little bit with the bullpen and getting guys in, young guys in especially, and and uh, pitching-wise too. Like I know you you spent a lot of time with the Twins before you came over to the Angels, and this is, I think, going to finish like your third or first, fourth season with the Angels. But in that short time, have you seen, you know, I guess you can even include the, the Twins. Have you seen so many young guys get brought up fairly quickly, it seems like? Yeah, it's pretty rare to see this many guys. I think some of it, too, is just because of, the pandemic, you know, with last year being a shortened season. And then this year, it seems like a lot of teams are already setting records for most players use just because of, uh, you know, whether it's injuries or just guys, you know, ineffectiveness or guys that, you know, the long season, I think is kind of worn on some guys. So we've seen a lot more, you know, kind of new faces, but no, I mean, it's been a lot, but I think it's been good just to kind of get a feel for some of these guys. And, and, you know, like a guy like Austin Warren uh, has pitched so well, you know, obviously I know he's been out with COVID, but, before that, it was, you know, he pitched so well himself now in a really good role for next year. And uh, we're seeing some of these other guys, Jansen Junk, get a chance up, up up here. And, you know, Marte did before he went on the COVID list. And, um, you know, uh, Andrew Wance, or, uh, you know, so there, there's we're seeing some different arms now, which I think is good for the future. And, we, you know, we talked about it before with their draft strategy of taking all 20 pitchers <laughs> and even their, even their trade strategy, you know, they traded, you know, uh, Tony Watson for pitching. They traded Andrew Heaney for pitching. So I think they're just trying to get as many guys as they can and then just kind of see what they can do. So I think it actually worked out pretty well for them. They're able to put in this many young guys the second half and kind of figure out what they have uh, for next season. So obviously that the, the young guys didn't stay in the pitching rotation or the bullpen. We also saw some young guys in, out on the field, especially with Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele. Um, are these guys kind of – in your eyes, obviously, you know, nothing's known for sure because it's still not even the offseason yet, but are these guys kind of locks to be in that outfield for next season? Not quite locks, but certainly right there with that. Um, I think they like the, you know, improvements from Adele um, just from last year. You know, his rookie year was so rough uh, offensively and defensively. You know, this year looked comfortable and, you know, defensively and offensively started to look better at the plate. You know, obviously now he's out for the year. It looks like with that uh, back injury from crashing the wall. Uh, and Brandon Marsh, too, start, starting to kind of – he started to heat up after a slow start. He's looked great defensively in center field. Um, you know, I think next year you compare those two with Trout and and see what they have left. And, you know, Upton, uh, you know, you know he had that one flash there when he was batting leadoff where he, he played so well outside of that this year. It was kind of the same Upton we've seen now for the last, you know, three years, really. Um, so he's still going to be in that mix because of his salary. You know, I think he's due almost like, you know, $30 million next year. Um, and then from there, they got to figure out if they want to try to find another veteran like they did last offseason uh, to kind of push those guys and have another, you know, presence in there. And um, But we'll see. I mean, I, they also have Taylor Ward kind of in that mix. I know he's been hurt, too, in the second half a lot, too. But they did like him early. But I, it would surprise me if they went after a veteran. You know, Dexter Fowler was that guy this offseason. You know, he, we know he got hurt. Same thing really early in the year with that knee injury that required surgery. So, it wouldn't shock me if they brought in a veteran to push those two guys. I wouldn't say that they're locks at this point, but uh, definitely in that mix, 100%. So with with Joe, and you mentioned it a little bit with his season last year, and everyone remembers the struggles he had in the field and obviously at the plate and 
everyone's biggest question coming into this was the outfield and, and can he play a, a, a MLB caliber outfield? Were you able at all to talk to him, you know, on the field pregame or even in an interview or anything like that and find out what's the biggest difference? Like what did he work on? Or if there's anything that he did different from his offseason to get better at that? I think there's just more reps out there too. And I think the coaching staff kind of helped him get better jumps and better reads originally. Um, and then from there, I think just the confidence got better because part of it too was just uh, last year he kind of smells like lost out there. And, you know, even when he got to the ball, you know, he had the one obviously go off his, go off him for the home run in Texas. And uh, just a lot of plays that look, you know, most guys make it look, make it look pretty routine. He did not make it look very routine. I think he just kind of plays now with a little bit more like confidence and swagger. You can just kind of tell the way he carries himself on the field. I think that kind of helps his defense too because he's not so – timid out there afraid of the ball coming toward him uh you know he's making all the plays that need to be made and uh some really good ones too and showing off his arm he has a good arm out there too uh but i do think the coaching staffs uh, you know at triple a and and just in general at spring training there's a lot of extra work out there in the outfield uh trying to learn different angles out there out of the way the ball kind of plays and i know he played a lot of center when he was younger too so learning the corners i think has been important for him um so yeah just a lot of that work and i think we've seen you know, even Trout was doing a lot of extra work in the outfield early before he got hurt, too. They know Madden is someone that really, you know, values, uh, you know, outfield defense. So you talk about defense in the outfield, and I think Brandon Marsh was that was the main reason why he got brought up when he did. It seemed kind of early, kind of projection wise, but his defense has always been really, uh, really uh, valued. Um, you know, with his offensive struggles at the beginning, was there any concern with the Angels about them maybe bringing them up too soon? I don't think so, just because at that point they didn't really have that many other options, and I felt like they, they felt like he had a you know a decent run, but also as you said, as you know, he didn't really play as much in the minor leagues because of injuries and that kind of stuff. It kind of limited him, and um, so I think there might have been a, a, you know just the early struggles kind of happened to everybody. It seems like he wasn't too overmatched. He, he's still pretty good about withdraws, walks sometimes, and you know still has a pretty good feel for the plate. Uh, you know, just you know having a good plate discipline. Um, so I think that kind of helped because he didn't look too lost up there. Um, but, you know, started to heat up after that, and that really kind of showed that, okay, he started to show that he can belong up here. But you are right, he didn't have as much time to get seasoned in the minors, and at least this year with Adele, uh, it seemed like they kept him down there for a long time. If anything, a lot of fans are mad and felt like Adele was down there for too long. But it just kind of shows you that, like, they do need that seasoning, and I think it worked out well. Adele did look a lot better, and if they would have brought Adele to start the year, early in the year, who knows? if you would have had that kind of, uh, you know, look as good as he did. And so we'll, we'll kind of see, like I said, and, and there's still a chance that maybe next year those guys aren't aren't up here, but I do think they play themselves. Both of them are in a pretty good position now. So obviously you can't talk about any bright spots with the Angels without talking about Shohei Otani and the season that he's putting together, both um, obviously at the plate and on the mound. Talk about this season in general, because, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find anyone that at the beginning of the year – saw this coming, saw the numbers, saw the home runs, saw the strikeouts, saw him honestly staying healthy for the most part. Like talk about the season and how crazy it is. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, part of it too was even in spring training when Joe was telling us that Shoyo Otani was full go and no restrictions and all that. I still thought it meant like he was going to be pitching, you know, once a week and then, you know, DHing four to five times a week and, and maybe – Later in the year, maybe they'd bat him when he pitched or before and after. I, I, I never thought that he was actually going to be out there uh, DH pretty much every single day um, and then pitching and, and hitting at the same time every time too pretty much. 
outside of a handful of times for, you know, a couple of different reasons, but um, yeah, so that was amazing. And then just that White Sox series to start the year when he hit that home run in the same game, he was pitching. <laughs> that was kind of the one that kind of, to me, kind of was like, wow, you know, he just hit a, you know, was sort of hundred miles per hour and hit the home run like 115 miles per hour. What it was that kind of opened the eyes to everyone. Around. I was like, wow, like he can do both. Right. Like at the same time. And like, this guy can be like something we've never seen before. And, you know, writing about him all year, there's been so many milestones he's hit and, you know, just to be able to have a, a season where he's hit 40 home runs and he's going to steal 25 bases, it looks like too. And then to have, you know, couldn't quite, it doesn't look like he might, he might not get another start. So he might fall short, short of the 10 wins, but still an ERA in the low threes, you know, more than hundred strikeouts. I mean, it's, all that stuff is just pretty incredible. And that's why he, he's the front runner for the you know MVP award here with Vladimir Guerrero, obviously uh, part of that as well. Yeah, and that's kind of actually been a hot topic, you know, within the last, you know, week or so about Vlad and him catching fire. Then as we record this now, um, Vlad actually having the MLB lead for home runs. Do you see any way where Vlad could catch Shohei or even if Shohei doesn't pitch the rest of the season and he just those are his those are his pitching numbers are not going to change. He's not going to pitch, but he's still DHs. Is there any way that Vlad catches up, you think, to to Otani in the in that MVP kind of discussion? I don't think so. I think that just because um even if Vlad does have a better year offensively, which it looks like he might end up having more home runs or average and everything else, uh he's not a very good defensive first baseman as it is, and then that's all he really offers. He doesn't really run well, he doesn't steal bases, but then he figures that you know Tani hits like that, but also is a, you know, a great base runner. And he's, you know, among the league leaders and stolen bases on top of it, you know, he's, he's been one of the best pitchers uh, in the American league on top of it. So uh, to me, it's definitely Shohei. I mean, I, I'd be shocked if he even doesn't win it unanimously just because he's done so much stuff that no one's ever seen before, but maybe someone just really values, you know, Guerrero's offense that much. They think that it was better than Shohei's offense and his pitching combined. I just think it's going to be hard to find somebody who doesn't understand that, uh, you know, to do both of those things is unprecedented. Um, and he's been, you know, a lead at both. And to have both those guys in one player, it's, it's just you know, unbelievable. How much do you think, because the Toronto fans or, or just the, the pro Vlad Jr. fans are saying, well, his, his team's in the playoff hunt. They could be in the wild card. He could have the triple crown. Is that something that the writers that vote on this look at and like obviously any other year the triple crown would mean something but does it still kind of hold that prestige seeing that just happened you know with with Miguel uh, Cabrera you know what was it like 10 years ago or, or whatever however long it was not as much i think too a lot of the voters are trending younger now too and they don't really care about who leads you know the league in RBIs or batting average as much anymore either um and so i think that's kind of changed it a little bit i think people look more at the the stats like war and that kind of thing to kind of see who's the best. And if you look at that stat, like Shohei is so much better than everybody because he has the combined, you know, pitching, right, pitching. and hitting war. So he's like two players in one. So that's why I think that most, you know, the shirt, there certainly are, you're right, I guess like an older demographic of voters that would feel more, you know, care more about the triple crown or, or even just being in, a, in contention for postseason. But we you know when Trout won his MVPs, you know, what two of them at least, uh, they were not a very good team and, Obviously, the first person to really do that was A-Rod way back when he won his with the Rangers when they were like a last place team. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. That is, those are factors people look at, but I think they usually see those as like tiebreakers. And I just don't really see, see a situation where Shohei and, and him are really tied 
as top two candidates, I just think Shoei's had a, a better year just because of the pitching on top of the hitting. And just it's just too much. It's just more than Vladimir's done. So obviously, I guess the big also elephant in the room is obviously Shohei is signed um, under contract for next season, but the year after that it is his last arbitration year. Again, too, like obviously the Angels are pro- aren't probably out here talking about it, but if you had a gut instinct about it, do you think they even go into that, arbit- that last arbitration year, or do you think they get a um, long term deal before it even gets to that point? Um, I think they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. Whether or not that does happen, it's hard to predict. Uh, but it's the same kind of thing with Trout. They, you know, they, they extended him with uh, you know the two years left on his deal, um, and then kind of got it done. Was wasn't a distraction. So I think that Perry and them would love to talk to you know Nez and get this done with this off season. And it might be something that drags on all off season. Doesn't happen until closer to opening day. Kind of like Trout was like a you know right at the end of spring training type of deal. Um, but yeah, that's what the, that's what they'd love to do. It's just a matter of figuring out his market value, right? It's just so hard to know. How do you do that? Because <laughs> yeah, like because I said, like we talked about earlier, he's two players in one. So how do you pay him in that sense? But also, for how long is he two players in one? Like we don't know. If you sign him to a seven-year deal or a ten-year deal, how many years is he going to be able to do both? You, you hope, obviously, as, as long as possible. But no one's really done it before, and you know, it's fatigue or, or injury going to set in. Is there going to be a time or maybe he's just going to have to be a position player because his pitching arm, you know, he's got, got hurt or something or whatever. Just hard to predict. There's so many different scenarios that can happen with him um, that it's just hard to, to figure out exactly what he's worth. But I do think that's going to be the, the big key for them this offseason. Of course, I think they're going to have to figure out how to get pitching and all that. But I think the other big priority is especially, you know, and I said it might last into spring training, but I think try to find a way to lock up Shohei long term and, Maybe Shohei wants to wait another year or even go into free agency and see. We don't really know yet what Shohei's intentions are, and he's obviously very quiet about that. But um, but for the team's sake, they, they definitely want to try to get this done, I'm sure. And uh, we'll do everything they can to them before the start of the season. So if Red Bollinger was the GM of the Angels, what is a reasonable contract offer you think would – uh work as far as like you mentioned like he could be a two-way player for what the next two three years but after that like who knows like what what kind of contract would you put out there for an offer otani it's hard to say i mean he's probably gosh at least probably have to be 30 to 40 million a year i'm sure with you know probably seven years or something probably i mean to get it done that's probably what he's looking for i'm guessing uh because you know that's the top players not get like 30 to 40 million dollars a year now um and that's what otani's proven being an mvp but the question is like i said it's only been this this one year and obviously it's to prove he's healthy um i don't know because i don't know if a team would want to sign him to do a 10-year deal because there's just there's so much unknown in terms of like the length of his career you know he's younger but like injury wise or at the end of that he's just gonna be you know what kind of position player is he gonna be is he gonna be right. a really good outfielder defensively you don't really know um so it's just hard to tell but I, he's not going to be cheap i mean he's going to be he's going to be paid like an elite player just a matter of how they kind of figure all that out so otani wins mvp he's another guy to build on so you have trout you know theoretically coming back you have rendon coming back you have otani um you know hopefully continue to do what he's doing walsh you have uh hopefully you know stassi i think is under control for one more year so the biggest question, it seems like, in that lineup as of where we sit right now is that shortstop position where 
Obviously, they brought in Jose Iglesias. Didn't work. He is no longer with the team. And it kind of does seem like they're kind of working out that shortstop position, whether it be Renjifo, Mayfield, or, or anyone else. Do you think this team needs one of these big shortstop free agents? Correa, Seager, fill in the blank. Or do you think there's enough firepower with the guys I mentioned already to where they can maybe go a little cheaper or something in-house for next season? Yeah, the what I'm kind of hearing, what I'm thinking is that they're probably going to be more likely to go either something cheaper or something more in-house and kind of just cover up the shortstop position as best as they can, but uh, kind of go with more the resources toward pitching, um, whether it's keeping Rizal Iglesias, obviously, as a closer and locking him up. Um, and then, you know, from there, finding at least two, you know, really high-quality starting pitchers, whether it's via free agency or via trade. Um, and then obviously remake the, the bullpen and, and from everything from there. So I think that's kind of their priority, more so than shortstop. Uh, we'll kind of see how the market kind of looks and if anyone's prices drop or, you know, there's a fit there. But I just don't see them really going out there and making a big splash at shortstop just because I think that they just need pitching so bad. Um, they did that a couple years ago with Rendon. That was a big surprise to a lot of people, including me, to go spend money on third base instead of pitching. Um, so to do that again on a shortstop would be same thing. Would be really surprising, just knowing how much they need pitching. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's more likely they don't go crazy at shortstop, but actually do spend money to fix the pitching, but not really so much at shortstop. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like it seems like Perry kind of has Artie's ear more so than maybe other GMs in the past. We've seen it with moves like releasing pool holes. Like, I mean, there was a time where no one thought, regardless of how bad he played, that that was ever going to happen. Do you think Perry is kind of putting his foot down on some of these calls? And and maybe you're right because it's you say you say not spending on a bunch on a shortstop, but as Angel fans knows in the past, it seems like when Artie doesn't get like the Garrett Cole, like you talk about Rendon, he didn't get Garrett Cole, so he went for the next big next big thing, and that was Rendon to spend a ton of money. Do you think if he doesn't get one of these top line pitchers that he's going to go spend the money somewhere else and just almost not throw it away, but maybe not put it where it should be. Or do you think Perry's kind of like, Hey, you know, we can't overreact to not, maybe not getting a top guy. Well, I think at this point, I think that um, Artie knows, and, and obviously Perry is a big part of this, but I think Artie knows just how desperate they are to get pitching. You know, we said, you talked about earlier just with all the ways they're trying now, whether it's been the drafter through trades to get pitching, um, they really want pitching. So I, I think that Artie knows that the job said, you know, trust parity with that, but even if they miss on a very top tier target, they just continue to spend on pitching anyway and try to, you know, really try to fix his pitching staff. I said, even the bullpen too, but the rotation as well. Um, you got to figure that, you know, they already have some locks in that rotation, but not too many, you know, Tawny, you got to think that Sandoval um, is in there, obviously with the way he pitched this year and, you know, maybe Suarez is pitching his way into that mix, and maybe they bring back Cobb. Other than that, you know, some of the other guys are, are free agents, or you know, Bundy's gone, and uh, you know, obviously they've already lost Quintana. To, you know, when they released him and Heaney, when they he traded him, so they still don't have as much. You know, they, they're seeing what guy. You know, Detmers could be in that mix too. Chris Rodriguez. There's some guys that could be part of that mix, but they don't really have. You know, so they got to get at least like two starters, and they're not going to be cheap. So to me, I think it's just their most of their money is going to go toward those starting pitchers and said potentially, you know, bringing back Rizal Iglesias too. That'll be a priority um, and, and fixing that bullpen. So there's enough money to spend on things of need. They don't have to really go too crazy on the short stuff, I feel like. So I, I put that on, out on Twitter that we were talking today, and I got a question from 
at Perry or at Barry Perez 15. And, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he wanted to know, you know, do you see any possibility of there's any kind of baseball ops transitions in this off season as far as scouting or, or, you know, obviously Perry's kind of solid where he's at, but do you see any other kind of baseball ops transitions? It's a great question. And one that I really want to find the answer out to, because I think here <laughs> in the next few weeks, we're going to have one of those end of the season sessions with Perry. Um, and I meant to ask that last time too, because I was curious to see if there's going to be uh, more moves this off season. Usually there are. So I covered uh, the twins right before, you know, I, I left here for minutes or I covered the angels. Uh, I started covering the angels in 2019 and the twins, I think in 17 made a GM move. And then a lot of 18 and 19 was like, yeah, like keep, they kept some guys in house and then either kind of got rid of those guys because they didn't feel like they fit or, you know, obviously kept them then also brought in a bunch of new guys and we already know there are new guys in the org but the question is yeah is, is perry going to add more of those guys is there going to be more you know in-house uh advanced stat type guys um you know analysts that kind of thing it's a good question i don't know that answer but yeah i think that's one of the big things i want to find out this off season so another question we got on twitter from uh at chewing caster buddy mike brown <laughs> he wanted to simply know when will the pain end and i guess this is a good way of bringing up the future like we mentioned some of the names already um obviously a lot of them in the pitching whether it be uh, you know suarez sandoval uh detmers you know even bachman now is moving up through the system how do you feel about the foundation of this team obviously they can always add pitching like you mentioned in free agency but the foundation of these guys that are now seeming to be maturing through the system how do you feel maybe you know a year ago today like do you feel more comfortable do you think they're still kind of the same spot with those kind of foundation pieces I think a little bit more comfortable. And I think, uh, you know, we saw a lot of these young guys you talked about earlier. There's, there's been a lot more of them than usual, especially for the angels, um, to kind of actually have some guys that are worth, you know, watching and, and worth seeing how they do. And so I do think that, you know, Detmer showed promise and Rodriguez, if he's healthy, showed a lot of promise and Sandoval was much better than I expected. Suarez, same thing. You know, Berea has been kind of Berea, you know, he's been solid enough, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that part has been a good thing. And the second by Austin Warren uh, has looked good for a, you know, young reliever. Um, so there's been some, you know, some hits at least. And I feel like some guys that look better. And then from there, you know, you have your veteran core that, you know, you got to count on. And I think, you know, I think it's actually pretty incredible that they've had, you know, Trout and Rendon out for as long as they've had. Um, in fact, they've even been able to stick around 500 and never really nosedived. I and mean, I've covered a lot of teams. I've been around a lot of teams, including the, you know, Angels in 20, what, 2019, they really kind of had that nosedive um, late in the season when the games didn't really matter. And the fact that they're actually still playing hard and like winning these games and winning a series in Chicago kind of tells me that the guys are buying into Joe Madden's kind of whole thing. So I think if they can, if the guys continue to buy in like this and they actually have health and have like Trout and Rendon and everybody in that lineup kind of uh, healthy and productive, that they can, you know, be a winning team again. It's just the same thing. They got to figure out what they want to do with their rotation and, and bullpen and, you know, continue to improve that because some of these guys did pop up this year, which is a good thing. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and I, I do think that they're trending in the right direction. Uh, it's just, I do think this year that the trout and Rendon injuries really did kind of, were kind of the big nail in the coffin for sure, but they didn't totally sink the whole team, but they, they, they couldn't without those guys, they just don't have the depth to, to, to win. So obviously 
you know, the injuries, like you mentioned, the Rendon, the Trouts, the, you know, now the Dells and, and stuff like that. The injuries there. And we had another question from, uh, this is on Instagram, Andrizzle, at Andrizzle. Um, is anyone going to point the finger to the training staff for all these injuries? How does that work as far as, you know, you guys get the information you are given and you report that information, whether you believe it or not, I guess it's kind of up to the individual person, but how does that work with, with, with a franchise? Like do, do they point the finger at, you know, the training staffs? Yeah, it's a fair question. Cause I think one of the issues we've seen this year uh, more than most years is just, there's been um, an issue where they've said so-and-so is going to be out for only a few days. And then sure enough, it becomes a few weeks or, you know, so-and-so is going to be back like Trout right after the All-Star break and same with Rendon. And all of a sudden, it goes from right after the All-Star break to being out for the season. So, like, right. that's been one of the biggest issues. So they've got to figure out a way to to get their timetables right or just don't give them at all. Um, right. And so that's a real question, though. But the way you kind of put that pressure on, though, and same kind of thing is at the end of the season here when we sit with Perry, um, it's going to be a question. It's going to be a, a real thing. I'm going to say, you know, how confident are you this training staff um, is doing a good job or doing the right job or or what do you think you need to do to improve this? And so it's going to be on, like we talked about earlier, with some of these changes. And I don't know if there's going to be any with the training staff, but it's something Perry has to really look into and see if, you know, it, it is worth making some sort of change or or even just if it's not, you know, at least change some sort of their practices or something or because clearly their whole, you know, timeline and everything else is here. And some of it might be on Madden too, though, for just not communicating it correctly and, and not doing the right job in terms of relaying the correct info to their reporters and just kind of thinking everything's a minor injury when they're they're worse than that. So it just, yeah, I think more so than any other year um, that I can remember that there's just been a lot of like, oh, guys, you know, day to day is fine. All of a sudden being <laughs> always on the injured list or, oh, now he's out for the year. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a fair question. Same thing. I think it's something that will be addressed this offseason because I think Perry – is obviously aware of it too. And so is ownership. They, they know that that's been an issue this year. So, um, and the fans know, you know, so we'll kind of see how it goes. And as reporters, our job is to kind of question and find out, you know, and make sure they know, and then see what they're going to do to try to address that. How, how does that kind of chain of communication work? Is it, is, is Madden getting his information straight from the trainer or is it like, does it the trainer talk to, the PR, the PR tells Madden, like, is there like a telephone kind of situation where there's maybe something gets lost in, in the transition or how, how do you know how that works? Yeah, it, it depends. Yeah, generally, sometimes, you know, Madden talks to the trainers directly and get it exactly <clears throat> what happened. But sometimes I'll just get the training report. Like, they'll give them an email uh, that has a list of everybody's injuries. That's kind of what the PR staff gets too. Sometimes, though, Joe's not great about checking everything or really being up to date <laughs> on it, it seems like sometimes. So that's one of the issues because we'll ask him and then he'll look to the PR staff and they'll have the update, but he'll, you know, he didn't get it yet or didn't notice it. So, um, and he always says too, he's always more focused on the guys that are on the field and ready to play than always being up to date on injuries. Um, but yeah, I think so. It's, it's more they have like a daily report that the, the, the training staff gives out and it gives out to the PR staff and, and Joe and everybody, but it's Joe's job to read it and then understand it and be able to answer questions about it. And sometimes it seems like Joe will just kind of forget to read it before the game. And <laughs> so who knows? So yeah, there's definitely got to be some sort. That's got to be something I'm sure in the front office has got to sit down for next in this off season and, and figure out that they need to be better in that sense, because this year you're right. Fans have been frustrated and right, rightfully so it's been pretty rough to, to see guys being barely injured all of a sudden being 
uh, out for a whole for season. Yeah. Do you do you see obviously Joe going into next season? I don't think there's any question that he's going to start next season as a manager and probably will finish the season next year as manager. But do you see next year as a possibly hot seat type of year for Joe if he can if the team still is hovering around 500, not able to kind of take that next big step? Uh, only, only if they really have a nosedive where they really give up on him, I think kind of like the, the hospice year where now was obviously a tough year in general and they had the skags thing, but those kind of teams where they really just like August, September, just totally fall off a cliff. If that were to happen and they totally kind of lost confidence, maybe, but even this year, like I said, I, I think just being around them, the fact that they haven't had that happen, I do think there is some sort of a buy-in. Um, and I do think that Artie likes Joe and I think that, Perry does too, and Perry and Joe seem to get along well. They're kind of on the same page, and you know it's kind of nice that Perry's more of an old school guy too. Even if he's not like actually old, he's more kind of an older school. <laughs> being like you know, being a guy who was a clubhouse manager, not someone that was a you know Harvard educated like you know you know research analyst that happened to like baseball. So right. I think there's a little bit better of communication with those two. Not to say that that was a Billy thing or Billy was that way, but like, um, but I do think that there's a good communication between you know Joe and. So, yeah, it would have to take something pretty extreme to me. Um, I think that right as of right now, I think that, you know, I don't think Artie or anybody blames Joe for this season or, or even last season. I think a lot of it's just been, you know, injuries and it's not having the pitching uh, staff just to, to win. So, obviously, going forward now into the offseason, into the spring training next year, I'm going to give you some names and just your best gut instinct. Again, we don't know what who or is going to be on the, you know, 26 man roster come to spring training, but Steve Ciszek, is he with the team opening day? I, I don't think so. I think that, that, that he had a good year with the team. And I think that, especially for the $1 million contract they signed him to, but I think that they liked what he did for them, but I think they're probably ready to let him uh, go somewhere else as a veteran. Rossell Iglesias. We talked about him earlier. Do you think they get the deal done? I think they're going to, yeah, I, Yes, just because I think they know that he's just so good that they don't really have anything else internal to be a, a closer right now. Um, and it'll just be, you seem to like it there. So I think they get it done. I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, to be honest, it's always hard to figure out the right market for a reliever and a closer, but he's been pretty consistently good for the last, you know, five years or so. Uh, so it's not going to be cheap, but I, I think they, they find a way to keep him. Alex Cobb, you mentioned he had a really good start um, Thursday afternoon. Uh, coming back from injury. Um, he almost seemed like a slam dunk to come back before the injury. Now with the injury concern, do you see the, him being on the opening day roster in 2022? I think so too. I think maybe they, they work out a one-year deal with him. It gives him a chance after being kind of injured uh, to potentially even reset his market. I know he's getting a little bit up there in age, but at least get a one-year deal. Let the Angels see what they have in him. And if he can stay fully healthy, uh, we know he's going to be, you know, he can be pretty good when he's healthy now. Um, and then from there, you know, he can reach the market and be a free agent again. Um, so I don't, unless it's, unless some other team really wants to give him a multi-year deal, um, and maybe that'll happen. Uh, unless someone really overbids for him, I think the Angels will try to keep him. I think he likes it in Anaheim. So those are, I think those two guys are the guys they want to bring back. Uh, let's go with Jack Mayfield. I mean, he, he's still under contract. I think he's still, he'll still be under team control. So I think he'll still be around as a potential backup uh, infielder. What about Phil Gosselin? Same kind of thing. I, they, they might bring both those guys back just to kind of have guys that are backup infielders um, and let them compete in camp. And if whoever, you know, they could even DFA them 
after, I guess, I'll have to see. I think Gosselin might be a guy that could maybe. I think Mayfield has a better chance than Gosselin because Mayfield's a better defender. Um, but I think Gosselin has a chance too, just because the same thing. I think he's under team control. And you kind of mentioned this earlier with Upton and his contract situation. It doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere, but at least he'll start the team, start with the team definitely for 2022. But do you think he finishes the season with the Angels in 2022? Potentially not. We could see another thing like kind of Albert and just kind of a decision to be like, hey, it's time to cut bait. Uh, because, you know, if March and Adele are kind of the two guys around Trout and they feel like they have enough, you know, other uh, outfield options, um, it could make it could happen. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this year he showed some flashes that, that one stretch where he was leading off, he looked great again. And then sure enough, he got hurt, you know, hurt his back. And then ever since then, He's, you know, hasn't really hit. And maybe he's been hurt all year, but he's been hurt now. He's been having injuries for, for years now. So um, it's hard to really imagine him putting together a fully healthy, you know, really productive year because um, he hasn't done it in so many years now. So you could see him being DFA at some point, but I, I don't think they could probably really trade him or anything like that because there's not just much not much value. So talking, keep it in the outfield, Juan Ligaris. Probably not. Um Potentially, but probably not. I think maybe let him get a chance to catch on somewhere else. Um, I was surprised that, you know, he lasted all year, too. I mean, but to his credit, you know, he's a good defender. He's showing a little bit of power, but doesn't really hit enough. Um, I, I think it's probably just this one year here with the Angels. And the name everyone wants, uh, I guess, in the, well, most of the people want in an Angel uniform, Max Scherzer. I, I think probably not. I mean, obviously, they'd love to do that. And if he's available, and I know obviously he's going to be a free agent, but if he's, you know, amenable and, and is interested in the Angels, I mean, of course, they should go all in and try to do it because even at his advanced age, he's still incredible. Um, I think the Dodgers still might have a, you know, a real chance to want to keep him, um, depending on everything goes in the postseason and everything else. But even from the way he's been kind of talking about being there, uh, you know, but also Kershaw could opt out. And so they have to resign both those guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they're able to do with that because they'll probably let Seager walk now they traded for Trey Turner. Um, but, you know, it does seem like Scherzer wants to stay on the West Coast. And same thing, if Artie wants to make a splash, at least this time it would make a lot of sense as a pitcher. Um, so you can't rule it out. I mean, I, I'd probably lean more likely uh, no, but I do think that there's certainly a chance that could happen. How, how do you feel about those older that, that contract? You talk about Max, and he's going to be up there in age, obviously. There's no way you can give him like a five or six year contract, is there? I mean, probably not. No, it'd probably be like a three year deal, but it might be three years and a hundred million though, or something, which is crazy. But, <laughs> but yeah, that would that would definitely be uh, that definitely would be a huge contract. So, last question I got for you, Red, and again, thank you so much for uh, you know not only this time but throughout the whole year and the spring training and everything like that. This one is from our Instagram. Uh, Lem. Reyes wanted to ask favorite moment covering the 2021 season, but I'm gonna add this. Can't say Otani because that's obviously the slam dunk. Ooh, wow! Because yeah, definitely Otani. Uh, well, I'm just gonna talk about Otani anyway because that home run he hit <laughs> in Chicago or the Chicago series when, when he was pitching and hit the home run that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, the one the trop was insane off the top of there. Yeah. Uh, the other one, what was it? Oh, the one oh in Seattle when he went top oh, deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was incredible. Um, missed that by one day. Came in the next day. Missed it by one day. 
Yeah. I think of what else is pretty much all I ever think about is all the showing stuff. Um, it was it was really cool seeing Suarez so throw the uh, complete game. I feel like complete games this never happened anymore. I wanted to see if he can throw a shutout, which would have been cool. Um, but yeah, the, you know the series uh, in Detroit was memorable because that was the big comeback game where they were down by like eight oh. runs and came back and won. And then you know Dell had the grand slam, and then they had uh, you know the Otani through eight innings. They hit the home run. That was really cool. Um, and then, of course, really the most memorable thing for me, too, was just the Little League World Series Classic. Oh, yeah. That was cool. I got to go to the Little League World Series in the morning and see some of the games and then go that night to the minor league stadium and see, you know, the Indians play the Angels. And that was cool. We had really cool, like, up-close seats, uh, more so than usual. And, you know, it was just cool to see that game up close. So I always remember going to, to Williamsport. Uh, it's kind of one of those cool MLB things they've done. And we're fortunate a couple years ago to go to Monterey, Mexico. I got to go to Puerto Rico a couple of years before that. So here's uh, hopefully the Angels uh, signing Shohei and going to Japan in a couple of years, maybe. That would be pretty cool for a three game. Yeah, I, mean, I forgot that too. Yeah, right. The Williamsport, how, you know, obviously we saw a bunch of photos and videos of the, of the guys interacting with the kids. But overall, how did you feel like those guys? I mean, they played a game, they get on the plane, they end up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, they do all the signings, and they're here. We're going to put you in a minor league stadium for a game. How overall did those guys kind of, um, adjust to that and react to all that stuff i think the players actually loved it because it was cool because it was fun to go to the players or see the little league players in the morning get to meet the kids um and just even the the crowd it was cool the minor league stadium because it was like all kids in there mostly and just their families mm -hmm. and so it was loud and it was just a fun kind of background and but it was one of those things that would have been better if it wasn't part of a crazy road trip the fact they had to go to new york and then they had to go yeah. to detroit then they had to go to Cleveland, right. and then they had to go to Williamsport, yeah. and then go to Baltimore. Baltimore. So that Baltimore series, you could tell they were just totally wiped out. So it really wasn't fair in terms of just the whole grind of the schedule. But otherwise, you know, the players loved it. And you could tell they were genuinely, they were actually really excited to be there and be part of that. So there's video of, I think it was, it was Brandon Marsh for sure. And I think it was a packing knot and going down the hill at the little league world series. Was there any kind of like red flags going up as far as uh, angels management was like, Hey, what are you doing? Flying down that hill. Uh, we need you for the season. I think they probably would have had more guys do it if it wasn't raining. Uh, Cause the Indians <laughs> had all their guys, even the Indians GM uh, Antonetti did his uh, slide down the hill and all that stuff. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, I thought about doing it too. And we got there before the rain started, but, Ended up not doing it. A couple other riders did it, and exactly like I thought it was going to go. They looked like idiots, and they got like grass stains all over their clothes. And I was like, I I have to work tonight. I don't want to go to work with a bunch of grass stains and roll around on the floor. And then somebody takes video of me, and then it goes viral for looking like an idiot. So I I, I didn't need that. I was fine just taking video watching. of them instead. Yeah, just watching it and hanging out. So that was cool. It was awesome. That, that that does sound like a, a, a lot of fun and, and just a different experience too for the players. And like you mentioned, like Andonetti, like the GM, wow, he got literally down and dirty right there with, with the guys. Right. That's, that's, that's really, really cool. So obviously there's a lot to look forward to. The season's about three weeks um, away from being over for the Angels again, unfortunately. But Rhett, thank you very much again for jumping on the podcast. Um, always, always fun talking to you. Really looking forward to the off season and you know having you back on when there hopefully is a huge signing for the Angels and we can talk about how the dynamic of the team changes there. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it is a pitcher. Yeah, right. That'd be kind of fun. At least even even for me as a reporter, I'd rather cover a team that can actually pitch a little bit. Games go faster. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some quick ones though recently. Uh, yeah, there it? has uh, been. 
Who, well, I think because the offense was slumping for a little bit. They weren't yeah. really hitting much, so it kind of helps. But no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Red. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Always fun. I want to talk about Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Greenroom. And welcome back. I want to thank again, Rhett, for jumping on. Always, always available for us here. Um, and really, really appreciate it. Definitely, if you do not follow him already on Twitter, if you do not already have um, his tweets uh, alert you when it happens, definitely, definitely do it. It's at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter. Um, spelled out exactly how it sounds. At R H E T T B O L L I N G E R. Um, again, I do this with not only Rhett, but obviously Jeff Fletcher and, and Sam Blum. But set an alert on your phone to where anytime they tweet or anytime uh, news comes out and they report it, articles and all that stuff, it, it, you get the update on your phone. That's what I do. It's the best way of doing it, but definitely check it out again at Rhett Bollinger, MLB.com. Uh, writer for the angels and he's always been a huge supporter of this podcast given his time whenever we ask and i really really appreciate it and like i said in the interview can't wait to the off season and hopefully angels make some big moves hopefully it's a pitcher we can have him on talk about um how that affects the team how that uh makes the team better and you know if there's a trade or anything like that we'll also have him on and just totally talk about how the dynamics of the organization um, might be changing. Who knows? Hopefully better, bigger and better things for 2022. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast. Again, follow us on our social media stuff um, at halo underscore Haven. That's both our Twitter and our Instagram. And if you're listening to this on the iOS Apple podcast, please give a review, please rate five stars. Um, still trying to build this out bigger, 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 um, really looking forward to the off season. And again, hopefully we're able to get the guys, the angels need to make this a more competitive team. You've seen what they've been able to do with, you know, uh, three or four of their top guys on the IL at a time. Um, they're still kind of hovering around 500. So they're able to get a top of the line front end starter and just absolutely lock it down. Keep Rozelle. Uh, it would definitely make this team a whole lot more competitive going into next season. I think as Angel fans, that's what we desperately, desperately want. So um, Angel's last homestand starts Friday. You might be listening to this on the way to the Angel Stadium. Uh, I will be out Saturday at the game, hopefully to catch a W versus the Open A's. So until next time, I am Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.